This morning we're going to go to the book of James and I'd like to do two things in particular. I'm going to preach, hopefully, Lord willing, a shorter sermon. Nobody say amen. You're supposed to show profound disappointment. Please no, please no. Because I'd like to leave a bit of time as a segue from the focus this morning to talk about, as I preluded to mention the, the last few weeks, about an exciting adventure for us as a church in terms of building future building accommodation prospects. So James chapter 1 for now, that's where we're heading. Let's pray before we do anything else. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive and it has the capacity to bring life and bear fruit in our hearts and in our lives. So, Father, would your word be proclaimed, would it go forth and accomplish all that you desire this morning, and would we, as your people, have listening ears to hear what it is that your spirit is saying to each one of us and to us as your people in this place today. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment. Thank you that you're here with us, that you're ever at work in our hearts and lives, and we pray that you would always Give us an awareness, give us eyes to see what you're doing in our lives, in the world's world around us, and may we shine brightly for your glory, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. That was an amen coming from the kids' room out the back. Sounded like it might have been one of ours. So James chapter 1, we're slowly working our way through this particular book, and we've made our way through to verse 16. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. As I said, we're going to have a little bit of a focus. Would, would someone mind just closing that door at the back there? Thank you. There's only so much amening to partake of. James chapter 1, uh, verse 16, we've already done. Verse 19 is where we'll read from. Know this, my beloved brothers... Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Verse 20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That is a bit of an amen, but it's a bit of an ouchie amen, isn't it, if you're anything like me? You know, I've noticed that there's not yet been one moment in my life where I've lost my temper at my children, and yes, it does happen. They are God's gift of ongoing grace production. There's not yet been one moment where I've lost my temper and had it produce something good. Anyone else discovered that? There's not yet been one moment as I've sat there in traffic and been cut off or all sorts of other vile things that happen as I'm driving my car from time to time and I've offered some helpful driving advice and had warm fuzzies on the rest of my trip as I've headed towards work. See, there is this reality, and James, remember, he's writing very practically. This is a pastor's book written to his people, beloved brothers and sisters, he says here. He has a heart of tenderness, and he wants to sit down and have a talk about life. And this is the point that he's making as he begins this particular portion of Scripture. He's saying, all of our hearts produce something. They produce something. And he's saying, there's some things that you produce 
that will never be of benefit to you or to those around you, be it my children or the general public. I mean, it feels good at times for a moment, but there is nothing lasting and joy-filled and helpful about producing anger-ness. And anger-ness, that's a new word. <laughs> anger in our hearts, in the heart of man. So he continues, verse 21, Therefore, because of this, because there is this sense that there are some things that we produce in our lives that are going to be unhelpful. As a result of that, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Isn't that a nice, tender, feel-good kind of, you know, word? Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and instead receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What's he saying here? He's saying recognize this, that, that our hearts, our lives are going to produce something. Therefore, if there's things hanging around that are not producing good, what do we do with them? Do we tolerate them? Do we encourage them? No, he says, recognize that there is an intentional effort required to remove them. I was thinking as I was uh, looking at this image that James gives to us, and there was a moment towards probably the middle of summer, we'd had a very dry winter, and then we had a whole lot of rain, if you remember, just at the end of springtime, beginning of summer, and all of a sudden, everything comes to life. Everything's green again, but with the green comes lots of weeds. And as I looked out, on my front porch, across the paddocks at our place, at our 10 acres, it felt like it was a, a textbook of all noxious weeds. And some of, the, some of it was pretty colours. We've got Patterson's Curse, we've got St John's Wart, pretty yellow flowers. And there was that thought that went through my mind of, you know, it's not really that bad. Like, there's some colour there, it kind of looks a little bit pretty and... How long could I possibly leave this? You know, like, will it just grow and sort of die off naturally? How long will it take before someone phones the council and I get a visit to my property suggesting that action needs to happen in my front, the front paddock of my house? You see, th there is this mentality at times. It's what James is addressing. Recognize that there is things that will be produced in our lives Therefore, if there's things hanging around, don't pick them up and transplant them into the veggie patch. Don't just sit there and hope that they die off. Be willing to deal with this stuff that runs rampant. And again, that was a picture of the weeds in my property. They were everywhere. It kind of felt like the council gave up, actually. Normally, they're quite diligent at coming and at least spraying some of the areas around the property. But this year, they were running rampant. But I only have responsibility for my own stuff and my own property. So get rid of, he says, but then there's a positive too. Put away all of that stuff, but receive with meekness the implanted word. What's he trying to say here? A couple of key words. First of all, meekness. Here's the picture that I find helpful. Meekness literally means the smallest of something in relation to the bigness of something else. Something small in the light of something else. So what's he saying? Receive with meekness the implanted word, the word of God. So if this helps, 
He's saying effectively, remember this, it's little you and the big word of God. Little me, big word. See, the problem is so often we're big me and little God's word, word with just a little W. We come to his word looking to define it, looking to maybe cherry pick some of our favorite verses. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a favorite verse on your fridge magnet. Nothing wrong with going to some of those passages of recreational reading where you love to go. We've all got plenty of those. That's fantastic, and that's good. The problem is that sometimes there is not this sense of little me, big God's word. We come and we say, well, I'll accept it as long as it agrees with what I view on a particular topic. I'll follow those bits that kind of seem right and you know, that just resonates with me. The rest of it, you know, I'm happy to just kind of let that go. Like what is our determinant, determining factor as we come to God's word? Is it to define it? Is it to fit it in with me? Or is it to allow it to define us and for the word to reshape us? We've got to be careful because in our day and age, we can be a people, no one in here I know, we want all of the benefits, but none of the commitment. And if ever we're in that place, we've got to remember he is committed to his word and to his promise to the extent that he came and he gave up his life. He's committed with everything. So yes, sometimes there's uncomfortable bits. Yes, sometimes it does require us to adjust a little to fix our way of thinking and our way of living to line up with his word. But that's exactly what James is saying. If you want to produce good things in your life, that's the first step, to get away and to receive his word with meekness. Little me, big God's word. And I love this picture again. See, there's these agricultural illustrations all the way through. The implanted word. You can't just have little bits. You can't just have the warm fuzzies. It's all or nothing. But look at this as well. It's given for a purpose. Receive with meekness his word, which is able to save your souls. So he's not just saying receive a word that's able to give you a few bits of encouragement when you're feeling down, to give you some discussion topics sitting around the kitchen table, not that they're anything bad. Saying, remember the picture here, receive the word of God, which is able to save your soul. And certainly salvation in the bigger sense is there, but there's a, an ongoing reality to this. Some translations say it's the power to deliver us and to continually keep on delivering us. Because his word continues to be a lamp. It continues to be a light. It continues to feed us. It continues to sustain us. It continues to be a foundation that is firm and that will endure. Paul, famous passage of scripture, he says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, all scripture, that's all, by the way, all those bits that sometimes we skip over because there's nothing in there for me or that was from whenever. All Scripture is God-breathed. 
and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. See, it's God's breath. It's literally the term. The word of God is God's breath. And there is this picture throughout Scripture of God breathing. See, he breathes, he speaks. It's his word that causes that which is not to become so, that puts the stars and planets in motion. It's God's breath as he breathes that brings man to life. It's God's word that calms the storm. It's God's word that brings back the dead to life. See, this is putting Scripture on the same level as all those instances of the breath or the word of God. And I want to emphasize that for this reason. It's so easy for us if we have a particular desire for a perspective on an issue or if we want to turn somewhere for encouragement or inspiration, where do we so often go? We all have our favorite places, but we might go and log on to the latest podcast. We might download or listen on Spotify to the latest worship CD. We might look up Instagram to see what our favorite celebrity says about a certain topic. We have all these different places, and in and of themselves, they're not bad, are they? There's nothing wrong with listening to the latest worship CD. There's nothing wrong with hearing what some preacher or person has to say on a certain topic. But there is nothing that even comes close to God's Word. And all I'm saying is that we need to remember the place that this has in our lives. Where do we go ultimately if we're searching for hope and feeling hopeless? There's no better place than this. Where do we go when we want advice on a certain topic? This is the reality of God's Word and God's breath for us. Let us never forget that or take that for granted. And you see, this word is life not just because it introduces us to principles, but because it reveals the person of God, the one who invites us into relationship with him, the one whose story is proclaimed from cover to cover, written in blood on a wooden cross. So that's the first part, he says here, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And we could probably full stop there, say amen. But there's one further step. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Excuse me. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For as he looks at himself and goes away, at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, or it means who continues on, not just a casual glance, but perseveres through, being not just a hearer in one ear and out the other, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. See, James doesn't just say, here's the mission Listen and receive the word of God. Now that is so important. We've said that. Listen. We've got to come ready to listen. We've got to come willing to learn, to receive. But that alone is not enough. He says, don't be just a hearer. 
Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Be a doer of God's word. See, otherwise it's like a businessman who went away on an extended journey and he left behind him a team of management executives and he said, don't worry, I'm going away for a little while, but I will give you instructions. Here's a list of the things you need to do and each and every day I'll send you some fresh new instructions so that you know what to do when I'm away. Finally, after some time, he returned and he saw people were hanging around at leisure, amusing themselves, and he thought, what on earth has happened? So he sat down in a conference room with a lot of them and he said, what has happened? Did you not get the instructions that I sent you? And the, the, the team of people replied, well, yes, we did. They were wonderful. Each set of instructions was read over and over. In fact, we even put certain portions to memory. We took time every day as a management group to discuss them. And once we'd thoroughly studied them, we even shared them with the rest of our employees. The problem is that none of those instructions had ever been followed. What's the point? Is it counts for very little if there is not at some point a doing. And this word for doing, let's just clarify that. And we're bringing this to a close, this portion. This word for doing actually is the word for producing. See, James, in a lot of ways here, is continuing his analogy. He's talked about we don't want to be a people who are producing things that are not good. Vanga's coming forth, it's going to help no one ever. So get rid of all that stuff, receive the word, but receive it in a way that you become a producer of the word. And I kind of like that image a little bit better because doing kind of makes it into a bit of a checklist, doesn't it? Yep, well, I've done that. Ticked it off. I heard the sermon this week. I did my Bible portion of scripture reading this week and I've ticked off the list. Whereas producer has something else encapsulated within that image. Because to be a producer, it's not just a checklist. If you think of this analogy all the way through, what are we producing? What are we growing? What are we nurturing in our lives? Do we take the word and we just plonk it in the ground or do we nurture it? First of all, we get rid of all the bad stuff that might choke the life out of it, but then we, we tend to it. We take care of it. We water it. We ensure that it is growing up until it reaches full maturity in our lives. You see, there's this ongoing intentionality that's encapsulated within this particular word. Are we producers? Recognizing that sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you do it because you enjoy it. Other times you do it because you know it's right. Sometimes you do it and you see the results instantly. Other times you do it knowing that it's going to take a process and it's going to take some time for this word to reach full maturity. But this is what's encapsulated in this word here. Let's not be here as only. Let's recognize the power of the word of God, but let's recognize our responsibility to grab a hold of it. And certainly this is the, the, the word used for word is logos. So certainly it's talking about this, but the same application I believe would be true with the rema, with the revealed words of God. If God has said something to you personally, if someone's come and prophesied over your life, how are you producing that word? How are you grabbing a hold of it and actually 
investing in it and nurturing it and making sure nothing is there to choke out the life of it and giving it everything that it needs for it to come to fruition, whether it's easy or whether it's difficult. Let his word always take prominence in our midst and in our lives. We want to love his word. We want to come ready to learn from his word. But we want to come willing to do what it takes to live his word, not just to be hearers. You know, we're so blessed, and I mean this with all honesty, that I've been a member of this church for some decades now in different capacities. And we've been blessed over many many decades, that there's been good, biblically-based, solid teaching. We really have. And I honour the previous leaders for all that they've done in fostering that and in nurturing that. We really have been blessed. And that is something to be thankful for. But I want to stir our hearts and encourage us, not just to be hearers, but to be doers. What's God saying to you personally? What's God saying to us? Now, all of that I'm using as a bit of a segue, so that's an amen there for the sermon portion, to hopefully share one way in particular in which we as a church are going to be doing some doing. We're going to be doing some producing of something that God has spoken to us and been leading us into now for some years. And if you've been around the last few weeks, I have mentioned on a few occasions that we have a bit of progression and a bit of a direction and a way forward in terms of future accommodation. This building here has been a great blessing. We've been here for a little over 20 years, which is almost unheard of in the rental market. It really has been a good blessing. But we've known probably for at least the last three years that this was not to be our permanent home. In fact, God made it very clear, as well as the practicalities surrounding the sale of the building when it sold a few years ago, that he was going to be opening a door for us to move elsewhere. Now, when God says a word like that, my impression is, well, that's going to happen last week. We better be ready to go. Whereas it's interesting how um, God often leads us. There was a, a gentleman in our camp out, men's camp out over the weekend up in the Brindabellas, and I had a few of the, the gentlemen just share their walk with the Lord. And one in particular, he said, you know, it's, it's interesting as I look back on my life and I see how God's led me, because it hasn't been this straight path. It's been curvy tracks here, there, and everywhere. And you know, sometimes there is those detours because of our choices. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'll put mine up. I've made decisions that has caused God to recalibrate and take me back other directions. But at times as well, I believe that's the intentional heart of the Lord. Because I know that if he laid everything out, first of all, that would require no faith. But uh, second of all, if I knew where I was going, there's no doubt that, in my mind anyway, that I'd be saying, okay, Lord, well, you take a back seat. I've got this now. I can figure this out. You've told me where to go, and I can work it out from here. And that's never the intention in the heart of the Lord. I believe his heart is to take our hand as a loving Heavenly Father and to lead us and for us to trust him as we walk and to take another step. So I want to bring before you a building and I want to let you know a little bit both about the journey and how we've got to here, where we are now and where we are prayerfully hoping and planning 
that this season of our life as a church will take us. So I'm sure you're all anticipating, thinking, what's happening? Where are we going? And I do have some pictures, if we can see them on the screen. If you want to get the first, the first one up there, I want to show you the building. And uh, as, as they're trying to figure it out and work it out, I can say that the last three years certainly has been a very twisty path. And there's been a number of buildings that we've got pretty close with. We've pursued both options to rent facilities and options to purchase facilities. I think you've got to take it off if you just close down the pro presenter, that it'll open up the slideshow. And even towards the end of last year, we had a building that was looking very promising. It was going to be a rental option. We'd be able to sign a long-term lease and have some security for future accommodation. We'd gone as far with that one as signing a term, terms of agreement and paid a small holding deposit, thinking that that could well be what the Lord had for us. And then sure enough, as we... Oh, there it is. <laughs> We're moving up the mountain. Prophetic... Oh, no. There it is. All right. Thank you. So um, long story short, there's been a number of moments where we've got very, very close, and I have no doubt that this is the Lord, but then the door has shut very directly. And just over the past uh, six weeks, this particular building here has been the one where Lord, the Lord has very sovereignly opened the door for us to pursue purchasing it. This, in fact, is the Southside Lighting Building, if you've ever bought some lights. It's uh, on a very prominent corner, and I'll talk a little bit about the building. I've got a few photos. Oh, there you go. Just hold it on that one for a tick. So this was an interesting journey, because I want to tell you how we got there, and then we'll talk about the building, and then where we go from there. We'd actually viewed this building about 18 months ago for the first time, is when it came on the market, and all of us had this, this on the board, and the elders, and um, a few others who we had to come along and give us some advice. Everybody felt, I think it's fair to say, a clear sense of excitement, including my wife. And I know we all hear from the Lord differently, but she's someone who, she, the way she describes it is she's a knower. Like, word of knowledge, if there's something there and, and it's right, she just knows in her heart that this is right and this is from the Lord. You're, is it all right if I share this? Okay, thank you. You're looking at me funny. I thought, I hope I'm not getting myself into trouble here, marital difficulties. But we've, we've bought uh, my wife and I a house only twice in our life, and the first time we bought a house was when we were, um, we'd recently got married and we are looking for our first place together. We'd spent many months, as you do, looking at different houses, going on that journey every week, you're inspecting this house and that house, and... And she's a real details person, so she likes to have a little list and tick them all off about it's got to have this and it's got to have that. And there was this one particular house, and we were kind of at the end of the journey. We had to decide pretty much that week if we were going to actually buy, otherwise we'd have to look to rent. And we walked into this house. It was right at the end of the building inspection and walked in the front door. And literally we walked in the front door, and my wife, and this is very out of character for her, she's like, I think this is the house. This is the house. I'm like, really? Okay, fantastic. The real estate agent was there. We put an offer on the spot, and then he was closing up. We walked out the front door, and she looks at me. She said, was there even a bathroom there? Was there a laundry? Did they have a backyard? Like, we, did, we didn't even see the house. She just walked in the front door, and she knew that that was the house. 
And then fast forward, we were in that house. It was a great blessing for 10 years, and we were looking for our second house. We knew that you know, God had something else for us as a more, more long-term family home. And we, again, inspected a number of different houses that never had felt right. We walked in the front doors of this particular house that we now live in, and she just started crying. And I said, oh, just again, in the front door? Like, it's that moment again. She's like, yep, it's that moment again. This is the house, just like that. And that was a longer process because, obviously, we had to sell our existing house. We couldn't afford to pay what they were asking, but we felt like that was what the Lord was saying, so we put in as much as we could offer. And some months later, they accepted the offer, and the rest is history. Now, all of that to say, I I just share her journey because I felt like she wouldn't mind it. But we walked into this building 18 months ago, and she had that exact feeling. We walk in the front door, and she's like, yep, this is it. This is the building. So all of us were on the same page that we really felt this could well be the door that the Lord was opening up for us 18 months ago. And then over the course of the next couple of months, we did everything we could, and it all just fell through spectacularly for reasons outside our control, nothing to do with us. So we're like, all right, we obviously heard that wrong because we were very close and then we heard nothing for 18 months about this particular building. We pursued all sorts of other different options. And then we had a board meeting, the board meeting before last. And at that particular meeting, we all had a very strong sense from the Lord. And this was kind of the theme from the year, if, for those who, who've been around and heard the message that I preached on the first Sunday of the year. But during that meeting, there was just this stirring at a board level that we'd been praying for a building for some time, but all of us felt that we needed to commit intentionally and that the Lord was saying, there's times when God says something to you, he says, this is what I'm going to do, and you just sit back and let me do it. There's other times like Elijah, as God says, I'm going to send rain, and he grabs a hold of that word and he prays, and he sees nothing, and so he prays again, and seven times he prays until he sees the answer to what God's saying. And, and there's tensions in prayer. Sometimes there is moments where God says, just pray and trust me. But we felt a stirring as a board that this was a moment to really press in and to seek the Lord's will specifically for a building. So we committed ourselves as a board to pray for a month that God would open up the door that he had for us that month. And that's bold to sort of step up, step out in that way and say, God, we really want an answer to prayer, but that's what we felt to do. And so it would have been within that month, we did have one other building that um, we were potentially interested in at that stage, and that door just closed shut. And then through a random conversation that I had at the uh, National Day of Prayer and Fasting, we'd gone along there as a church to be a part of that, and I'd bumped into, at the National Day of Prayer, the manager of One Way FM, who also are in this particular building here. They, have, they occupy a little section. And so I struck up a conversation with her. I hadn't met, met her before. Jenny was her name. And I said, how are you going? How's the, the Christian radio station? She said, oh, look, it's going really well. We just have this great uncertainty about where we're going to be. There's a building for sale. And you know, we, we've just invested money in upgrading some of our equipment. And it would be a real hassle to move. And she looks at me and she says, you don't have any interest in buying a building, do you? Because she knew who I was. 
And I said, oh, well, you know, funny you ask. We are looking for a building and we have actually considered that building that you're in before and we're in negotiations 18 months ago and haven't heard anything in 18 months. It just has, you know, not even been uh, on the radar. Anyway, she's like, look, I'm going to connect you with Dennis, the owner. I'm sure you guys could sit down and work something out. And so sure enough, she passed my number on to Dennis, the owner. Dennis called me and uh, was very keen to see if we could progress this particular option, dealing directly with him, which skipped out a whole lot of other complexities last time. Um, And there's been some other things as well. Like I I said to Dennis in the first conversation, I said, look, we need to consider this as a board again to see whether this is still something we feel like the Lord is saying. We were certainly keen 18 months ago. We had a discussion as a board and one of the fleeces, if you like, was that the building would have to sell for a particular price. As a board, we felt there was a number that was both fair and honouring of the owner, but was uh, a number that we could afford, both in terms of the money we have and money that we can hopefully raise. Um, and so I called Dennis up and I said, look, just to let you know, we've had a board, um, board meeting. The board is keen. And he's like, look, okay, good. Before you say anything else, I'd like to offer you the building for this price. And that was exactly the same price that the board had previously decided. So we really feel like, um, you know, there's there's a strong sense that this is the open door. I mentioned a few weeks ago that the one hurdle that we still need to cross is that the building needs to have the purpose clause changed. So we're in that process. I met with Dennis, the owner, and a town planner this past week. And we talked through the options. His advice to me is he says, there's nothing on paper that should prevent this going through. But it is a process that'll take a minimum of two to three months or a maximum of five to six months. Now, he said, look, obviously nothing is certain, but we feel that this is certain enough for us to take the next step, which is to bring it before the people. And I'll let you know a little bit about the process from here in a moment. Um, recognising that there is still a journey to walk. But this is us taking that next step with the Lord and seeing what he will do as we trust him and as we take him at his word. So let me tell you about the building. For those who don't know where it is, if you flip to that uh, picture of the map, we've got here the Monaro Highway and you've got Canberra Avenue. So this is, I would suggest, not only the busiest corner in Fishwick, but this is one of the busiest intersections in our city, if not the busiest intersection. You've got literally tens of thousands of people coming up the Monaro Highway. We're on a little quiet cul-de-sac there, but you get visibility, which you'll see in a photo in a moment, from the Monaro Highway. They have a big sign, they have a big cross, a big Christian presence. So that's it there. That's the Southside Lining, and they've got a big neon sign that lights up um, at night saying Southside Lining. There it is there. And so all of that's ready to go for a nice signage presenting the gospel. I just think there's something prophetic, isn't there, about a warehouse that's been used for a generation to spread light all over our city, becoming a warehouse that will spread the light of the gospel. And we'll, you, know, you can look in the foyer, we have a picture of a lighthouse. That's one of the key words that God spoke to us as a church, is that we would be a lighthouse. That was part of the reason we moved to Fishwick. So for us to be on that prominent corner proclaiming the gospel, I think is incredibly significant. 
If you just flick, I, what, what we do have here is we haven't done any detailed drawings yet, but there's a little plan to show you a possible layout. Tony, our in-house architect here, graciously drew these up just as a proof of case. So this building here is about 1360 square metres. This one's about 1500 square metres. There is a second tier, which you'll see in a moment, above the back portion of it, just there. So if you jump back to the other plan, what this building will give us here is a, an auditorium that seats somewhere between 400 to 450. It's nearly identical in terms of size to this auditorium we have here. And there'll be a, an overlay in a moment of exactly the comparison there. Obviously, we need Sunday school rooms. There's a little cafe off to the side um, that's going to sell real coffee. Just getting it out there. That's prophetically spoken. <laughs> there's two entrances. There's a main entrance from Lithgow Street. There's also one on the other side, which is at level, so it has uh, disabled or all access there with disabled parking on that side, so that's not going to be an issue new training room, facilities, slash Sunday school room. So it, it'll give us everything we need and a bit more. As I said, it's a little bit bigger than this current building. If you just jump over, there's a, an overlay of our current auditorium size just by way of comparison so you get a feeling of the scale. I don't know if you can see that. There's a red outline there that says current auditorium size. So it's nearly identical. It's a little bit wider than the current auditorium and just a little bit it's about the same size if you cut off the stage there. So that's effectively the size of the auditorium within this building. There's a shed out the back that I think Adam's got earmarked already for a youth hangout area and a little outdoor enclosed area for a kiddie park. Now there's, there's lots of things that we could do with this building, obviously. Thank you, Peter. Um, the, the other thing about the location is that we're just across the road from the Fishwick Caravan Park which, you know, we've always prayed that we would have some neighbours that we could reach out to and a kitchen so that we could actually invite them in for meals and hopefully we would be able to accommodate both, having a kitchen so that we could cater for things like that and inviting our neighbours in for, you know, mums and bubs activities and community meals and it really does facilitate a lot of the things that we've dreamt about doing as a people for some years. And so... Just, just bringing that bit to a, a close, you know, it's our prayer that this wouldn't just be a new building, but this is a place that will be a place of his presence, where the gospel and the good news of Jesus is proclaimed, where prodigals can come home, where broken lives can be healed, where the lost can find a way and where the name of Jesus is exalted and lifted high. And so this is going to require some doing, some doing in many different ways. The process from here, let me briefly talk about that. Um, what we feel as a board, as I said, is we actually have in many ways this gift, which is somewhere between three to six months to raise some money and save some funds before we need to um, actively progress. And obviously in that time, also making sure the purpose clause is changed and goes through. So I wanted you to all hear this from me first, but in the coming weeks, there will be a letter that will be sent to members explaining some more details about this proposed purchase. We're going to do a whole lot of videos and pictures and launch a more formal capital drive beginning sometime around the month of May. So I bring it to you now for obviously prayer, just for the Lord hopefully to stir our hearts in terms of both um, excitement but a preparedness. I, I, there's, there's no doubt, like it was funny... 
even the last, uh, the last weekend going up into the mountains with some of the guys. I could not get over how excited some of the guys were about going and camping in the mountains. They were like little kids in a candy store. And I could not get over who, you know, the other guys who even heard the mention of camping out in the mountains and there was audible groans. And so I recognise with anything, as there will be with this project, that there is some who will be naturally very excited and enthused. There'll be others who perhaps there is that sense of, oh, this sounds too big, a whole lot of work. I'm really hoping and praying, and if you've got anything to pray for, pray for this, that we can do this really well. I've seen a big building project like this just draw people apart and people come along and get hounded for money every week and we don't want to go down that path at all. I've also seen something like this bring people together and unite them around not just a new building but a new vision for what God could do with us, with a group of people whose hearts are fully his, ready to be not just hearers but doers and respond as God calls us to give, we give, as God calls us to serve, we serve. And I'm really hopeful that this will unite us together and this will really be a stepping stone of faith into all God has for us in a new season as a church. Can we say an amen to that? So I want us to pray. Can we stand up? Just with all that said, you've got two sermons in one this morning. Stretch and limber up if you need to, but as I said, I wanted to take time so that you hear it from me first before we go with a, you know, a, a more public pronouncement and announcement of exactly what we're doing. Of course, if you have any questions, come and grab me, grab the board, but let's really be prayerful in this season. Let's step out, trust the Lord, and see where this journey takes us to. Sound good? Let's pray. So, Father, we just we thank you for what we've heard this morning, both in terms of your scriptures, for the call that we have to be not just hearers but producers, people who grab a hold of what you're saying, both through your written scripture and through your revealed word. We don't just let it go in one ear and out the other, but, Lord, we want to be a prepared people, a people that can ensure that your word bears fruit for your glory. And as we step into this new season, Lord, I pray that there would be an excitement. I pray that there would be a willingness for us as your people to grab a hold of what you're saying, to believe for it, to pray into it, to sow into it. And we ask you, God, to do whatever you need to do in each of our hearts. Make us ready ready to respond, ready to step out in faith. Lord, those of us who are perhaps more naturally excited and enthusiastic at this sort of a, an adventure, may we be able to help encourage and lift up those who perhaps need a little bit of encouragement. But Lord, would this be a season as a church and as a people of us growing together and joining together with one heart and one mind to respond to what you're saying to us as your people. We pray that, Lord, in your wonderful name, King Jesus. Amen. Amen.